Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are Catherine Linkvist, Troy Sandlin, and John Christian. It's me! Oh my gosh, we're so (laughs) glad that you're back, John. We really missed you. Um, Yeah, apparently I was, I really missed being missed and missed being there all together, from what I hear. You know, it was like you never left. It was like you never left. (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel like that if if I had been here, it's probably for the best, because if I had been here, then like the event horizon, like a like a black hole would have opened up, or like this spatial. <laughs> yes, it's like the fourth horseman of the apocalypse would come running around the corner. It's just too mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. It, yes, it's very much this like this town ain't big enough for the two of us sort of scenario, right? <laughs> Where like you can't if two Dragonlands people um, mm. stand in the same space, uh, the world implodes, or well, you know, that's like a that's nearly a time cop reference. Yeah, that was, that was amazing. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's terrible and awesome at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> same matter occupant. Yeah. So we don't really need to go through this all again, but we're going to because there may be a new listener or two or three or four oh, listening. Um, this podcast happens in two waves. The first wave is our dessert round. Um, that's a chopped reference. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> in the dessert round, it's still food. Ah, uh, a, a la cuisine. <laughs> exactly. Uh, in the chopped round, in the dessert round, um, we are going to uh, engorge ourselves on sweet treats, all of these little bite-sized nuggets of things we found throughout this week that we fell in love with. Um, Kickstarters, YouTube channels, all sorts of different things. Um, and then we're going to follow that up with an entree. And that entree is going to be a topic that we enjoy talking about. Uh, something that's come up at our tables, just an RPG topic that, that we find uh, pertinent. So, with that being said, I'm looking here and I see that we have one, two, three, four, five, six different things to talk about this evening. So we've we're full. Gonna, we're going to run this gauntlet. Um, oh boy, where do we start? You know what, John... Troy, you started last time, so Catherine. And why don't John you, wasn't here. So. John wasn't here. Um, right. Catherine, let's have you start off. You got an interesting thing for us. Alrighty. Um, tangentially related, um, but very useful for atmosphere. So, or inspiration. Um, I recently got. I recently discovered a band called the Longest Johns. Hmm. And uh, they they sing sea shanties hmm. and other similar things like that. Um, they, I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for uh, multi part harmony, uh, <laughs> but and anyway, uh, to keep this very very short, uh, you should definitely check them out if you are running um, even just a single session on a hmm. ship. Um, It'd be great for there's there's several different feels uh, that they have also within this genre, which is really cool. They have like the the fun like the song about cider called Jolly Rouge, and they have um, my favorite one is Oak and Ash and Thorn, um, which I'm not sure if it's technically a sea shanty or not, but it fits. Mm. And um, or if you wanted a more like serious mood setter kind of a thing. There's ashes, or we all drift together. Uh, mm. But yeah, 
Uh, they have a really full sound, and and it's really cool. Awesome. Yeah, I, I as soon as you brought up sea shanties, I'm like, yep, this is cool. We should talk <laughs> about it. Um, nobody, I, nobody sailing the open seas should go without a sea shanty or two in their game. Even if you're not going to sing it, drop it in text form, and your players will love you for it. So. Yeah. And how many times can you really listen to what do you do with a drunken sailor in your <laughs> game? Like how, how many how many times True. can you sing that and be just completely sick of it? Yep. <laughs> it's like listening to, to La Cucaracha over and over and over again. <laughs> so what I am seeing as all this is going down, that John is adding even more things. Even at this point, we're just going to spend the entire episode. <laughs> talking about cool projects. <laughs> Listen, I'll, I'll have you know, there is a, a veritable deluge of amazing Kickstarters on on the site right now. Um, it's it's astounding. John, go ahead, talk about the Lost Citadel. I know this one is come and gone, but uh, I think it's worth hyping. Oh, man. I love this. I actually got the the book, the, the, the novel... Uh, at Gen Con, or no, excuse me, at, um, Origins in 2019. Mm. And I knew that they were going to end up doing a Kickstarter campaign for, for a fifth edition rule set for this. But the basic premise of it is the city is Redoubt, and it is the only city in a fantasy setting that remains. Mm. Um, it is a post-apocalyptic, more post-apocalyptic than Dark Sun, if, that, if that's even possible. There is literally, it is, uh, for those of you that are familiar with uh, Attack on Titan, uh, the uh, the anime it is that walled city and everything else outside of the city is bad and it's going to kill you. Uh, essentially, what they uh, what it boils down to there were two of these like golden eras uh, in in the, the this fantasy world uh, these go- these gold golden ages where there was magic and essentially the typical high fantasy elves dwarves wizards that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and uh, some cataclysmic event occurred. Where some say that the gates of hell were broken open and unhinged, and that all of the dead came out, and so it's essentially that the dead have completely taken over the world, except for this one city, mm-hmm. and it it has a really special place in my heart because uh, the dwarves were the ones that were nice and let all of the humans and everybody else in because they you know they were trying to be bros and trying to help them out, and then they got inside. And then they ruined everything, and then they overthrew the dwarves, and now the dwarves are slaves. Uh. So, yeah. So it's it's actually really, really to me, it's compelling. Just not because of the dwarves, obviously, but because uh, it's a really incredibly interesting uh, metaphor for what happens whenever cataclysmic events occur in the world, in our world, right? But they're just fantasy tropes that are taking the place of real people, and so um, Isn't it fascinating? human human behavior or demi human behavior. Uh, psycho- the psychology of uh, what happens in the in the in emergency situations and in, during disasters. It's it's, a, it's absolutely brilliant. I love it. Isn't it fascinating that this Kickstarter ended in March? Oh, yep. weird. Oh, here's the other thing of note. Uh, this product is created by people who made Green Ronin or who who are oh. part of that publishing mm-hmm. house. So it's got a good pedigree. Yep. Yeah. Um, very interesting. Very cool. Now, here's the side note. I believe they have not yet released this book. Correct. Um, and so, right now, this is one of those things where you're going to want to go follow them on social media, keep an eye on it, and when the book comes out, you know, ready for pre-order, that's something that you can snatch up. 
Yeah, uh, I, I believe you may be able to do like a, a late backer. I'll I'll do some additional some uh, sniffing, and if we can put that in the show notes, possibly. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd keep a lookout for it. The the uh, the book that they kind of built everything off of the lore behind it is absolutely fascinating. Yep. And it's a 278 full color, dark fantasy fifth edition yeah. vibe. It's just artwork's fantastic. Yep. I, I really love it. I really love it. Beautiful. Okay. Awesome. Uh, let's see. That's one thing. That's one thing. Uh, I'll pitch something. Staying on the dark post-apocalyptic thing, which we all know Catherine loves. Oh, yes. Favorite genre. Yes, yes. Uh, Favorite genre. (laughs) I am going to pitch to you all uh, DC Comics The Last God. Uh, It's amazing. Um, It started back around the end of the last year. It is a comic book line that is also a 5th edition campaign setting. Um, which is like a perfect marriage, in my opinion. The first book is their campaign guide. It's called The Last God, Tales from the Book of Ages. And it's basically a comic book, gorgeous comic book. It's 40 pages of art and setting guide and subclasses and new creatures and all sorts of things to kind of put you in this world. Uh, You pick this book up for five bucks um, if you find it at your comic shop. Um, easily, easily the best five dollars. You'll the cheapest campaign setting, the most gorgeous campaign setting you're going to get for five bucks. Mm. Um, then after that launched, they started running uh, a whole line of 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 comics that are an adventure, not an adventure for you to run, but a story for you, to, a story of adventure for you to read. Um, so this is a great way for you to get into the world, um, get a feel for it, know the heroes of the world, know the mythology of the world, and know what you're dropping your players into. Um, the art is stunning. It is that post-apocalyptic, dark fantasy setting. Um, to me, I think this was a really good call on the part of uh, DC. They didn't bring on 5th edition people to write in it. Um, they hired comic book writers to create it. So, like, the lead Ooh. writer is the guy that does Aquaman. Um, oh, so, you're getting a whole different idea of what 5th edition content could be. Um, so, I love it. I picked up the first book, the campaign guide, plus the first four books, and um, I'm going to speak very highly of them for quite a while, I think. So, well, You had me at DC. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, top notch, top notch. That's called the last god. If I didn't reiterate that. Um, okay, um, Troy, you got a couple. Let just run down do. both of those because I, I think they're both really cool. Well, I want, I want, I want to save one of them towards the. Well, I'll, I'll just do both of them. Go for it. <laughs> uh, all right. The first one is Privateer Press has announced that Iron Kingdoms is coming to fifth edition. For those of you that don't know. Kind of went piggybacking on that whole kind of dystopian type feeling that is Catherine this three loves. for three. Yeah, I think it is. I think uh. it is. Um, <laughs> it's okay. There was music. <laughs> yes. Well, a lot. I mean, I think I think most of you know, and pro- maybe some of our listeners know that I'm a huge fan of the Eberron setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
this is this to me i guess in a kind of a, a one way to describe it is take eberron and kind of rub it in the dirt and the grime a little bit mm. Mm. this this is this isn't like bright shiny uh arcane arcane punk this is steampunk and and uh like ro- magical robots and and things like that and it's you're dirty and, and sooty and, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, they just announced and it's, it was always a setting that I wanted to get into. Hmm. And uh, it, it, some people might know them from the, uh, the miniature war game uh, war machine. Yes. And hordes. Yes. That's where, that's where this world comes from is those, is those miniature uh, skirmish battles uh, games. But yes, they're, they're going to uh, update this setting to uh, fifth edition. That's really cool. I'm pretty excited about it. Bare minimum, you could take this campaign setting, which is probably my guess, going to be chock full of monsters and 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 adventure hooks and player options. If if I know if I know what settings typically contain, and you could mm-hmm. drop most of that into Eberron. Because oh, if yeah. you if you go look at this art that we're going to share down in the doobly doo. Um, <laughs> It is you could mistake it for Eberron if you didn't know better, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So definitely. Um, if you if you're not interested in buying a new setting book, but you find yourself in need of Eberron content, my suspicion is this book is gonna is gonna take care of that. Uh, yes. Speaking of which, though, I know we gosh, it's just gonna be the day for announcements, but <laughs> the Eberron book is dropping any day now. It may already be dropped when this when this episode airs. Keith Baker's new. Yes. Um, so, so we are all waiting with eager anticipation here for uh, for Keith Baker's fine work. I'm just exploring Eberron. Yes, yes, that it is going to be on the DMs Guild. I'm really hoping for a physical print run, um, even if it's print to order. I need that physical print option right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so anyhow, uh, side note there. But all right, my my second one. Uh, this this one is a first in the gaming community. It is it is the first uh, role playing game and setting created specifically for Roll Twenty, mm-hmm. and it is called oh. Burn Bright. And it is a is a it's a sci fantasy uh, setting. Yes, and. We might have a surprise coming up in the next couple of weeks. We might actually have one of the designers, James Intercasso, uh, as a guest on our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, James, along with Jim McClure, Cat uh, Cool, and Darcy Ross, and uh, got together and developed this. It's been in, in the works for the past two years. And I don't want to spoil a lot of it because I want to save most of this for when James is actually on the show. But the the, the gist of it is... You had the big bang, and now we have a big crunch. Something is something is burning all the the universes and stuff from the outside in, and so the it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And so it's these different uh, species and 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 civilizations and things trying to come together in a ever shrinking landscape and. There are no humans. And the dwarves become slaves after they let everybody onto their planet? Is that kind of the premise? (laughs) That's that's pretty much the typical uh, typical chestnut there, right? (laughs) Um, 
So this is really cool. It's called Burn Bright, and that's B R Y T E. Yep. So that's um, cool. Really cool. Uh, James does a ton of killer content. If you yes. don't know who James is, go do a Google, and you will find a lot of things that you have heard about. Um, so. Uh, Burn Bright is awesome. It's cool that he developed for the Roll20 platform. He said it's like a combination of Star Wars meets Voltron meets Guardians of the Galaxy. So if those are your those are your jam, you're in the right spot. Nice, nice. <clears throat> okay. Last thing. No, no, not even close to last thing. Uh, <laughs> good grief. Guys, we're having an announcement episode. Oh. That's what's happening here. That's All what I'm doing is. is adding specific songs. No, no, no. no, no more. No. You're no good. You're good. You are, there's rapid <laughs> typing, furious typing going on, but 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 it's it's all for you guys um, down in the show notes later. Uh, but we have two last things. Motherload. Uh, we talked about it last week. We've talked about it for a couple weeks now. But Motherload is uh, a special little project for us. Um, it was written by myself and Thomas Votaw, who has been a guest on this very show. Um, it's pretty awesome. Our our uh, illustrious co-host here, John Christian, did some maps for it. Um, illustrious. Il- well, wow. listen. He gets <laughs> he gets one commendation every twenty episodes. So, <laughs> hang on a second. Let me let me just let me have this moment. I'm going to soak it in just for a second. Yes. Let, hang on. I, I want I want this moment to last as long as absolutely possible. No, it's done. Okay, it's over. It's over. It's over. I know. One thousand, two, one thousand, three. Exactly. It's a really yeah. fun. I I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit here. I think it's a really cool product. Uh, it's a level one to three adventure with player options, with new monsters, with new maps, um, with new magic items. It is it is meant to be an all-in-one thing. It will fit in your back pocket. It's a zine. 15 bucks gets you a full color, um, like 44 page plus zine that is, I think, really well done. The art on it is amazing. Um, we got some really great artists yet again. Um so I don't think you're going to be disappointed. In fact, I'm certain of it. Um, go check out Motherload on Kickstarter ASAP. Oh, Woo. John, listen, also, John, I, I'm going to give you two nods here. John also oh did God. our our um, video voiceover <laughs> on the Motherload. And so if you want to hear what John sounds like in real life when he doesn't have his fake accent going for the podcast, uh, <laughs> tune into the Motherload. <laughs> <laughs> that, this is my Clark Kent. The other is my Superman. The exactly. real, the, re, the real person. Yeah, exactly. No, it's it's really great. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, and we, I think, by the time this episode is aired, we're going to be well into stretch goals. So um, it's going to be a blast. All right. Last but not least, John, you have an announcement that we're all excited about. Oh man, I I am. I'm so pleased to see this happen. Uh, Wizards of the Coast, through Adventurers League, um, they announced an open call for Tier 4 writers to to design an encounter and then submit it before the 24th of July. And they'll go through all of them and they'll decide what they're going to do with it from there. Right? It's still a little bit open-ended as to what they're going to end up doing with it, if they're going to make it a part of an adventure, if they're going to kind of pull that, that writer in uh, to do something for them or what? Who knows what? But um, I don't think that it'll be a wasted effort. I'm extremely excited about it. I know that Zach, Troy, um, Thomas, and myself were all eager to to do it. I'm sure that Catherine will have an opportunity to to put hers in as well. Um, and so, 
I, what I wanted to, t- to kind of bring up that made me think about this pretty deeply is the the encounters that they want to want you to create. It's just one, and you have five hundred words or less to try to put together an encounter, which in the back of my mind didn't seem like that big a deal until I actually tried to put it on paper. And then my brain broke a little bit because words are one of my favorite things and I don't get to use all of the ones that I like, right? Uh. So so one of the things that I – or as many as, as, as I like. Uh, so what I wanted to kind of pose to the, to the group here is a good – I think what I think is a really good thought exercise. When you've got – when you're building an encounter – and I know this, this could go on – ad nauseum. We could do this for hours and hours on end. But when you're building an encounter, I think what I wanted to wrap it around is how do you keep it succinct? How do you keep it tight? And how does it how do you make an encounter that's actually meaningful in your adventure? As opposed to, well, well, I gotta plug in a fight here. Let's just go ahead and plug it in and we'll just throw in a bunch of monsters. Yeah, good enough. Right? I think yeah. Zach has some ideas. Zach, what do you got? Well here, I just want to kind of notate that this so we announced the we talked about the AL announcement of tier four stuff. Mm-hmm. That link we will drop in the show notes. Now, that being said, you probably have a few days at most to get your adventure in if you just hear about it for the first time at this episode. So keep that in mind. Um, but Godspeed. this is a segue that we're doing now into our larger yeah, topic. Yeah, gotcha. Fair enough? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, fair enough. Just so the people at home don't sit here for the next 30 minutes and say, gosh, John, why did it? Listen, let's get to the next thing. Um, right. This is the next <laughs> thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, carry he, forward. He just talks a lot. He just okay. talks a I lot. Do. See, they're my words again, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, they, that's the, the announcement is the tier four, right? That you They want you to create tier four encounters um, and they want to see, they want to check out the chops of the community to see what, what kind of talent is out there and see how they're going to end up using it. So, that's what brings us to the actual main course. The main course is that discussion of encounter design. And again, we could talk about encounter design all day long, but I wanted to kind of get the broach thoughts from the rest of the group here on kind of the topics that I previously mentioned, specifically things like, um, like how do you make a, 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 uh, an encounter meaningful? What kind of encounters do you use? What do you consider an encounter? Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll lead off uh, really fast. So to me, an encounter is not just a fight, obviously it is, it could be just about, it's any challenge that you have to overcome in a, in a, in, in a game or in a story, excuse me, not just in a game, but in a story. So that can be a social encounter. That could be a skill-based encounter. It's some cinematic event that you have to bypass through critical thinking, troubleshooting. And, and what's that? It's where time slows down, right? As far as we right. go, we go from being reading box text or doing an overarching story to like now we're minute by minute, second by second, tick 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 tick, right? Right. Yeah. At least a bullet part. time. Yeah. 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 So looking, trying to get, whittle it down to five hundred words is tough. Just the encounter. There's so much to unpack in a lot of the ideas that I had, and I know the, the many of us did end up having that. Um, so I want to just kind of broach the subject to you, to the rest of you. What do you think? How do you approach encounter design? I think that's a, a pretty good, a pretty good place to start. Whenever you, when you find like something, whenever the, the the bullet slows down, so to speak, and you're ready to build the encounter around the story, what do you? How where do you start with it? If we're trying to build it back into the story, we need um kind of a prelude before of what the story is that we're trying to build into when we get to the actual encounter. Um so what I I like to do um 
you know, it's it's fun for the players to meet a stranger, but in my opinion, it's more fun to have the encounters be an NPC that the players already have a little bit of a bond with. Um, that's, I mean, that's the basic I, level of things. Um, but I like to introduce, they don't know it yet, but um, I like to introduce uh, characters from this or that player's backstory without them knowing that it's that person from their backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, not like, yeah. Um, so, so there's one and I can like, I will be, of course, the NPC will then be, um, reaching out to a specific character or hardcore, avoiding a specific character or whatever. And people have the added, um, why is this NPC behaving in this way? So there's a little bit of a, um, a motivation puzzle to kind of figure out there. Um, so, so either that or, um, involving other NPCs in combat encounters who are not combat NPCs. Um, you know, the, the classic hostages situation, or there's a, um, there's some sort of disaster going on and you have to, you're having to fight this, this thing while also trying to make sure that the civilians with 10 hit points each get through the fight and the disaster. Like if you're, if you're at a higher tier or something, um, Mm. with, and yeah, just, just things that, things that keep the story rolling, uh, and are also important to the main, I mean, I slipped right into combat because for me, it's, it's so natural to have an encounter be story related, mm. uh, that isn't a combat encounter that it's almost hard for me to articulate, uh, how, how you would go about doing that. So I'm, I'm mostly sharing some of the stuff that I do with, uh, with combat oriented things, but I'll probably circle back around later. <laughs> Interesting. Right on. I, uh, I had two things. I look at every, pretty much every encounter as a form of combat. Whether it's social combat or skill combat or actual combat combat. Because you're, you're, you're trying to use your, your weapons, whether it be a sword or your deception or your role playing, whatever it might be, to overcome some thing, and so I kind of like it. Help it helps me kind of look at everything and and see how things can come into play that way. If it's always some kind of combat, and and you know I use the air quotes for combat, but it, it's kind of like that whole overcoming thing. And a lot of times when I'm looking at an encounter, I work backwards. And so it's like, where do I want the encounter to end? What do I want it to do? And then I come back mm-hmm. and and try to see if I can fill in the gaps from there. Nice, Zach. You seem very thoughtful. What What about you? What do you what's your your philosophy on encounter design? Well, so uh, I'll take I'll take the, the the focus on a combat encounter for a moment. Um, to me. <laughs> 
you gotta set that picture. You gotta paint that picture. Um, that's the most important part of it. You gotta get that investment from minute one. Um, I think that that's a lot of times overlooked at the table. It's like, I just had someone this week talk to me about, well, a lot of times I just throw minis on a board and say, let's roll some dice, right? At its core, you're still playing the game if you do that, but you're missing you're you're missing um, the sweet nuggety center by not talking about <laughs> by not by not doing that setup. Um, in, if if you're talking about like an adventures league mod or something like that, it would be that box text that leads up to the encounter. Um, if you're setting up at home, if you're playing a homebrew or something, it's that way in which you get the players into that moment you pull them uh, as as alphinius said last week you get them stopping building dice towers on front of them and see everything in your mind you sync up all your players to a one vision mm-hmm. you wind up that crank and then you set the party down and run right you got to do the work to wind that crank and i think that that's the thing that I think about a lot when I write something is how do I wind this crank? How do I get the party members so that we're all seeing the same thing when this encounter starts, that we're all in the same mindset, that we all have the same mood, that we all feel the time crunch. If there's a time crunch that we all feel the, the urgency or the necessity or the fear or the whatever all together. Um, If we can do that, that encounter is going to be great. You know, encounters in fifth edition, typically in my book last Anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour and 40 minutes. Mm. The best way to gauge whether or not you had a successful encounter is when your party looks up at the end of it and they don't know if it's been 40 minutes or an hour and 40 minutes, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. true. So, mm-hmm. anyhow. Yeah, I think for, for me too, I, I, I try not to focus whenever it's about a, a scratching an itch uh-huh. when it comes to encounters. Um, I build sometimes I build an encounter in order to satisfy the the itch that the players are going to have. Where if, depending on the players that I have in, in my group, some of them are going to be more tactical, some of them are going to be some will be more social, and so it's trying to, to dance along the edge of a knife with with an encounter to where I satisfy the needs of all of the players that are in there. That that's whenever we're doing homebrew or we're doing home games and things like that. But whenever I'm actually de- developing an encounter for something that's going to be printed, it's about giving options. It's like this does not have to resort to violence. It doesn't have to always be re- – make sure that you reward – You know, what, what some could consider the easy route is rolling a f- less dice on a social encounter in order to persuade, to evade, or to um, – uh, to uh, to take the kind of the diplomatic diplomatic route or to parlay, um, to but some players that's what they they want to be able to do is that they don't want to fight the giant they want to talk to talk to the giant and or sing it a lullaby and have it fall asleep I mean who, who knows what it is right <laughs> so um, there I think that when designing an encounter not every single possible iterative thing that could happen needs to be considered but at least putting information in there to give the DM something to work off of some ideas of, okay, if it's, if this doesn't, if the players are not really biting for or are really looking for a fight, here are some additional options that you can look at without spending pages and pages of notes mm. for the DM to have to, to scan through. But it, ultimately the, the encounter needs to, it needs to satisfy something. If it's not an itch 
for the players like to fight something, it needs to progress the story in some capacity. The as much as I love the, a good random encounter mm-hmm. on the road, random encounters on the road are usually pointless. It's yeah. a th- it's a it is a thing that satisfies a niche. The players wanted to fight something. And it makes sense that you put it on the road. Boom, there it's done. But it doesn't really <laughs> the 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 story doesn't move anymore as a result right. of it. Sometimes it, right? it's filler. Yeah. yeah, that that's the thing that 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 really chaps my hide is is the pointless encounter. You said mm-hmm. that, and I was like, oh my gosh, and that that can apply to anything, right? Pointless mm-hmm. combat, pointless social encounter, pointless skill mm-hmm. check, right? Like, um, you know, if 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 what is the end result if 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 they go through this and there's only one conclusion possible you said options right but if mm-hmm. if they if they walk up to the vendor and the only option available is that they buy this long sword for 100 gold there's no other way around that then why are we rolling dice right mm-hmm. that if 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 you walk up to that random encounter and no matter what they get out on the other side of that random encounter and there is the world is com- completely the same around them, and they are completely the same in their, their own group. Then what was the point, right? Um, the players, the goal is to have fun, obviously. Mm-hmm. But but at the end of the day, your players know when something was when they just wasted an entire evening on something that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I, that's a big part. That's a big pet peeve of mine. Is like. Uh, we're just gonna we're gonna fight some wolves tonight, and then we'll then we'll finish up the the hike down the trail t- next week. You know, <laughs> fair. I um, you saying that uh made me sort of like codify something in my head. Um, and I think it it helps both ways. Um, like cuts cutscenes are for description of settings and sometimes NPCs, and that's it. Um, maybe a tiny little cinematic moment when somebody kills a big bat or something like that. Um, but an awesome way to keep people engaged is to not talk too much, no matter what the encounter is. Um, which I tend to try to rope people in with describing things because I love that (laughs) as a player, but people want to actually play. <laughs> you got you, listen that that's that's the strongest statement we've said tonight is uh, Catherine I in my mind that statement of the best way to get people immersed is for you to stop talking and let them <laughs> fill the space mm-hmm. is such a really strong statement Whew, that's a good well, one that's actually I had a mentor of mine in uh at work that may, he once said the best thing for you to do in a meeting is to be is to say a thing and then be really quiet and wait out the awkward silence. Just sit there and let it let it go and drag out. No, it's super. It's so awkward. And it's difficult to do it. It's like watching an, one of the earlier episodes of The Office. It's just it's it's it makes you cringe to wait for it. But what usually happens is you're forcing a per- through that social engineering. You're forcing that other person to finally make, engage and make a decision and do something instead of. You just otherwise we may as well just be reading stories out of books to the players. They're not engaging in mm-hmm. it. They're not. They're not really making any any decisions that are that are noteworthy. So I think I that's one of the things that, that I do at the tables. I usually <clears throat> I will 
the, I will let the long pause, no matter how uncomfortable it is and awkward as it is, I will let it just sit there and hang in the air until somebody says something. That that is that is a weird feeling because I've done the same thing, and like you look at the people because like the decision the 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 choices are clearly laid out, mm-hmm. and and the you know it's an un the ask is is implied. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. You lay it out, and then you just kind of, you just look at them, and they're looking at you like, well, where's the rest of it? What's <laughs> You're the rest and it of is, it. It's hard. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to do because you want to say, well, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And sometimes or, I'll do that too. You know, sometimes I'll do that too where it's like, well, so what do you want to do? Anybody? Anyone? And, and, then, and, and then just – and then I'll let it sit for a little while longer until somebody finally ends up picking it up. It's almost like that that social thing that people do where, where do you guys want to go to eat tonight? I don't know where wherever you want to go, <laughs> and every, no one. I don't get, care. Everyone, everyone really does have an opinion on where they want to go to eat, but for some reason, we also want to allow other people to have the thing that they want, which is what they're doing, and so it creates this feedback loop of indecision. And so, like, unless you have a table captain, one person that always makes the decisions and is always the one that talks, right? Unless you've got that that person there. If you've got a lot of passives, then I think that's another thing that, that happens too at the table, which is all the more mm-hmm. reason to to engineer that out of your players if possible. And that's just making sure that you're okay with the uncomfortable silences. So can we sit here for just a second? Because I really like this topic, um, this idea of uncomfortable silence. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like this is becoming my role as to be the bad guy DM on this podcast, but <laughs> I have a different, I have a different philosophy. Not just when it this comes podcast. Well, sure. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> um, but I have a different philosophy for hiding, um, or for maneuvering through those, those awkward silences. And that is, um, things happen. <laughs> um, so when the NPC talks to you, when something happens around you, when my players sit there, the world, I give them up a few beats, but then the world, the world responds, the world responds to your silence. Um, and my goal with that is that to encourage, to encourage my players that look, even if it's a shock reaction, even if it's a knee jerk reaction, even if it's not the most reasoned out response, it's better than nothing. Right. Um, and so if, if what I hope and what I see is that um, over time, my table comes to the point where um, they have that reactionary response. They have that knee jerk because they know the alternative is when I say uh, you see the things, uh, eyes glistening there in the darkness, you hear that rumbling growl and the hair stands up on the back of your neck. And then we sit here and nobody says anything. I say, and then there's another one. Mm-hmm. And then there's another set of eyes. And, and then, then everybody's like, oh my gosh, I do this, I do this. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> there's a panic. Um, so, so I don't know. I like I like doing that. It seems to work. Um, I don't want to take the spot. Uh, take, take away your, um, I think both of these responses are valid. Because so I think that awkward silence is something that they have to find a way to work through. But mm-hmm. Not going to yeah. really see that too, though. The well, bullet time, even though bullet time is bullet time. The, everything's still moving, right? It doesn't. Nothing. It doesn't stop. It just slows down, 
to give them an opportunity to think it through. And to your point too, about what you were saying is like that even the, a gut response or a quick response that may not be the most thought out or the most eloquently stated is at least something. Not only that, I think it's almost the, one of the most genuine responses. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what else to do. Panic. Bah, and you do a thing. Right. Yep. Yep. So that's the, when in, in a circumstance like that, where you, it's the split decision counts. It's okay for a really bad decision to be made. There's yeah. a, there again, going kind of go like circling back to encounter design with all of this is like that even the bad choices that we make in a combat or when we create encounters and things like that, that they can, we could use those to our advantage. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be a handicap and it doesn't have to impede the story. Everything is about progressing the story forward with it. Right. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of go back to the, the Colville approach to skill challenges, right. The fail forward kind of thing. Right. So even like, even with, even with encounters, there's always something else that can be done uh, even whenever things grind to a halt or they slow down or they get go into a slog, honestly. That's, mm. that's, that's the other thing you got to worry about with encounters is they just drag on too long. Mm-hmm. Something that I am going to uh, start implementing more uh, into my, my server, uh, so the times will be longer, but it translates, um, is our specific deadlines. Um, and I learned this from, I learned this from the Discord server I was a part of before, um, where, uh, at one point there was a very important, um, I think he was a general, uh, who was poisoned Mm. and, uh, my PC had the ingredients to make the antidote, but it was going to be a really high skill check. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't sure what to do because also this really important, um, general was usually not on our side, uh, was usually actually actively hunting down people like my PC. But, uh, in this situation, things were weird and helping him was the best way to survive. Um, which is cool in and of itself, but, um, I was so indecisive for so long that <laughs> on what to do, um, that the DM said, okay, well, if, if no actions are taken by, you know, this time tonight, then this NPC will, is going to die of, of his poisoning. Uh, so I had like a hard time limit. Um, and <laughs> as it turned out, I was at work. And so, um, I ended up, just missing the the deadline. So I was typing out my response as he was describing what was happening. Um, and I crit failed on the roll uh, to make the antidote. So I was like, oh no, my character's going to be devastated. But I had just entered to send my message of this is what my character does. So she's just applying um, the antidote. And one of his other enemies walks in and just stabs him in the chest. Mm. <laughs> and wow. it was it was that much more intense of an encounter because he used the fact that I missed the time limit. Mm-hmm. It was mm. it was really interesting. That is interesting. Mm. Yeah. It was it was kind of cool. It was like ah, but it was really cool. <laughs> so so let, let me let me ask the the uh, the council. Um, when you're designing an encounter. How important is balance? 
Because to to me, I mean, I'm I'm more. I think I think more old school, where balance was not a thing. It's you you had to. I mean, even the 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 classes were not balanced with each other, and the races were not balanced with each other. It's like, you know, if you were if you were a first level wizard and you had four hit points, you were a buff wizard, you know. And if you don't, yeah, and if you don't have a fighter with plate mail and a shield to to stop the little gobos from getting you, you're you're going to be making a new character pretty quick. But later on, you as that wizard goes up in level, you're laying waste to you know entire battlefields of things, and that fighter is only taking on one or two things at a time. And you also had to know, hey. This thing up ahead is going to kill us. We should run. And I think anymore, I think adventures and encounters are too... They hold too much to the the video game philosophy of we're not going to encounter anything that we can't handle. Mm -hmm. Kind of a a thing. And that, that bothers me because while this is a game and it's supposed to be fun and everything, it's not... Again, air quotes. Realistic. Mm. You're going to, you know, I don't care how bad of a dude you are. You know, yes, Mike Tyson is a bad individual, but I know that there's somebody out there. Even in Mike Tyson's prime, there was somebody out there in the world that could have smoked him with one punch. Mm. We never mm. saw him. He, <laughs> we, he he was probably in some deep dark. A cave in the Himalayas somewhere or, or whatever, but he he's out there. So you have to know when when is good to keep pushing. When is when is it good to run away and come back and fight again? Do you think is my philosophy? Do you think that that's this is something that I thought a bit about? Do you think that that is gone at this point from fifth edition? Like I know, I know there's some of us who have seen it in the past, and we like to try to bring it back. But at its core, is that philosophy of there are things out there that you can't beat, that you will be put in front of, and you really just need to run. Is that I, is that I, removed? I don't think I so. I think so. unless it's but, so blatantly obvious, I think uh, it's almost almost completely gone. I think it really boils down to so whenever I okay first of all let me answer Troy's question about about balance right and whenever, do I consider it absolutely every single time well when I consider it I have to think about my to we talk, I go back to how does it drive the story forward what is what is what, what purpose does it serve right mm-hmm. if it, there's a purpose in creating instilling fear in my players then yeah I think it's okay for you to overbalance the the the, the encounter. If it's about making sure that the, the hero, the, they have a heroic moment or an opportunity for heroism and this really big thing, well, then sometimes I'm going to swing it in the pendulum in their favor and just have them like a bunch of mooks and minions that they could just mop the floor with, right? There's nothing wrong with running through the castle to get to the bad guy at the very end. And all you do is you do the Inigo Montoya and stab, 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 stab as you, <laughs> as you go along, right? Um, but to I, whether or not broadly, maybe. I, but I, it's not a philosophy that I'm willing to let go of because I think that when you're talking about like dark horror or you're talking about trying to instill like tension and fear 
in your in the players, quote unquote, and in the the characters, I think that it's the werewolf for for first level characters is bad news, right? Or the were tiger is bad news, and if they were to come across one, then it they, there needs to be fear, and they don't have to always beat them. Sometimes the the best option is to run, you know, and that's a, a part that's a story element that I think that they should be able to enjoy that shouldn't just be seen as punishment. Um, but that may just be me as a DM wanting to project that onto my players and want them to enjoy it as opposed to what do the general audiences actually want? I just don't, I just don't see it being, I don't see it being a dead, dead, a dead, uh, a dead option these days. Well, I mean, I agree. You want to, you want to have those things where, yes, this, this encounter is probably going to go very badly for you. And I tell, I tell my players all the time, running is an option. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And, but they don't really take it to heart. I think, right. I think it, at, at this point, my players look at it when I say, or look at me when I say that and think I'm being funny. Right. And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> you, all it takes running though, is an option. You could die. All it, all it takes though is one half dragon. I was going to say, right? we have a perfect <laughs> example sitting right in front of us. One, we have, all we have is one example of, of it going so poorly, and then it, what it does is okay. Uh, to me, I think that's it, all it takes is one time, right? You you throw one, you throw that circumstance out in the one time. They're like, whoa. Uh, so, so maybe let, let's, yeah, let's so so let's have that conversation. So so for everyone at home listening and for the rest of the people of the podcast, uh, uh, John TPK to party in Tyranny of Dragons. Uh, that I was a part of last week. My uh, first TPK in 25 years of running games. You should see his smile right now. Yes, he's congrats, being, congrats. Yes. <laughs> um, but but what, what I find interesting, John, is is the response. I think the response of your players and, and I'll just say of the group as a whole maybe goes against your point because mm. as soon as that fight ended, a consensus of a large of, of a section of the players was. Oh, that fight was not balanced. That fight is too overpowered. We need that fight should have been reined in, and mm-hmm. and and the response of you and again, I'm not. This is not a blame. It's a sure. It's just an observation. The response of mm-hmm. you was, "How do we re- how do we reverse this?" Right, right, well, right. I I, I based it on on player temperature. Right? Yeah, but but also I, you I felt really bad about it. <laughs> I did. Well, and, and and honestly, between between the tactical move by the half dra- by the half dragon to make full advantage of that line of lightning that it was going to shoot a, a, a being well placed and honestly come on let's let's also make sure that the that the the listeners know that the, i out of 40 possible points on the damage roll 38 points were rolled so yes. the almost max damage rolled on the dice oh, in man. that roll murdered third level characters murdered them oh, and so gosh. it's there is a different here's the thing though I'm, I'm, gonna argue, I'm gonna argue against it though. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm digging my heels in because this was a written adventure where you really didn't have any other alternative but to, to face this bad guy, right? There was, and there was no other alter, no other purpose to it other than they'd already done the humiliate the players and make them really hate the half dragon, right? That was supposed to happen earlier in the in the story. Spoiler alert, or earlier in the in the story. Um, and so to me, there, it was pointless. Like the, the, them, the TPK, first of all, TPK is something that's different as opposed to if one player had died, I don't think you'd get the same reaction, but everyone dying and everyone getting 
obliterated by not only the lightning bolt, but then the immediate recharge the next turn, shift over a little bit, and then zap down the line and do it again. I think that everybody was just in there going, we didn't even have a chance, like at all. It was like, what was the point? And the, the, the whole fight ended up being pointless, though, as a result of the TPK, not necessarily as a result of the way that it was you know, put together. You know, I don't know. I think that one's a... It's a special circumstance, in my opinion. And I do think that there's legitimately a way out of the TPK, TPK still. That think, some arguments have been made on the, on, the, yeah. this, on the sidelines on how that could have gone, could still go differently. And we'll just see how that ends up uh, panning out. I would say that there's a difference also between um, like, like asking about how important is balance I would probably say that it's different for AL versus... 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. versus uh, written but not run yes. as an AL thing versus um, homebrew. Like I'm, defi- uh, I'm definitely talking about homebrew, not, not Adventures okay, League okay. for publication. Yeah. Okay. That's a good distinguishing... Yeah. That's a good yeah. mark to make, though. Yeah, because like, for, for, for published and for Adventures League, if you're going to write something like that, yes, you want those encounters balanced because... Yeah, but doesn't that speak to the core of the game at the moment, though? Right, that that well, because when, you, when they write things that they're not that you're not supposed to write things for the run option. Well, for well, for for me though, you don't know the players that are sitting down at your table most of the time, so you don't. You, it's it's a little bit harder to have that ability to table read quickly as you could with your home group to know I can put this down. They're going to understand. They got to run. AL, I think if 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 it's if if it's a run option, it has to be a big blaring sign. This is, you gotta run, and even, and even then they're not gonna run. Well, and, yeah, and usually Probably the not. way that the way that the modules are written. Well, first of all, you got you have four hours, right? And if you bypass mm-hmm. the thing, then it turns into two hours. Well, no, that's not that's not good because in the convention world, whenever somebody's paying good, they're putting down good money to be entertained for four hours. It's a bummer whenever they walk away from the table after two hours uh, because they they thought their way around the limitations of the module, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think there's I think that's a component to it too is that there is an expectation in organized play to say okay when you come in you're going to accomplish three things inside of a four hour time frame and we're going to fill up that four hour time frame as opposed to at home I'm not as I'm not as shy about killing a ca- a, a character or entire party. introducing the introducing like the fear factor into into the players because it's not an ongoing stretch or it is an ongoing stretch, I should say, as opposed to a, a lot of ongoing online play or excuse me, organized play, which is bite-sized. No pun intended. Yeah. Like you, well, like what you were saying, what your table is uh, used to looking for, wanting, etc. Um, I have players on my server who I have not been able to scare as much as they want to be scared. And I have, players who come to D&D when they want to escape from being stressed and anxious all the time from the real world. And knowing those motivations, I can say, okay, the person who um, sees D&D as an escape from all the like stress and anxiety going on outside um, their encounters are going to be more balanced. They're going to have more ways to lessen or avoid entirely anything that would put them in danger. 
the players who are are in it to get that adrenaline rush, apparently I have to pile even more stuff on <laughs> than than I already tried to do. Um, so I would I would say it's not gone. Just maybe maybe we're hearing a lot about the first kind of motivation right now, whereas it used to be it was almost exclusively the um, or the second kind of a <sighs> maybe. It sounds like D&D used to be almost entirely about the um, adrenaline rush as opposed to the um, feeling like you can change things and not having to deal with stuff that you have to deal with outside. Mm. Um, And it sounds like maybe nowadays a lot of that newer or a lot of that second thought is what's been put up to public focus uh, that come come be a hero, come craft an amazing story with your friends, etc. Like ties in even though the old way is still there. The old thought process is still there. It's just not getting as publicized. Does that mm. make sense? Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm actually surprised me, that you does. take that, that route to it too because if you like the post-apocalyptic you know, no hope if that's if that's kind of the, a Catherine genre or something. Oh, no. That you're, you're no, 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 no. You don't. You <laughs> no. don't like that. I was I being sarcastic earlier. Oh, okay, I gotcha, absolutely gotcha. don't like that at all. <laughs> okay, okay. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> and honestly, this is one of those things. Encounter design. We could do this all day long. Like we could spend hours and hours. This is fifteen yep. episodes long. So I think this is a really good way for us to have at least started the conversation about it and kind of open up some ideas about some of the. The way the new wave or new players that are coming in, what their expectations are, what the organization is looking at in, the, in, in regards to encounter design. And then the difference between organized play versus homebrew or home play and things like that. I mean, there's just so much to unpack that I really just don't – I don't think we don't have nearly enough time to do it no. in this no, podcast. No, no. I think it deserves it deserves a, another another helping. Yeah. I think, I think what it boils down <laughs> to really is that session zero. Mm-hmm. If if, mm-hmm. if you if you have the ability to have session zero, because again, organized play, you do not, and that's why it has to fall in these lines, and and everything has to be more balanced because you don't have the luxury of spending fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes an hour with this new table of players that you've just got, and discuss. Well, this is how I like to run the game, and this is how mm-hmm. you know the things mm-hmm. I like to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, to, to like what Catherine was talking about, that all to me is session zero. Come with me, help me craft a story with you. But the way I want to craft it is I want to put you guys through the meat grinder <laughs> and throw stuff <laughs> at you that's going to scare the crap out of you. and You might have to run. Is that what you want to play? Mm-hmm. Okay, no. Then maybe either I need to change or they need to go find a different DM. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying you don't have to take the first DM or the first player that comes across your table. Okay. You know, because you have to, you do have to find that balance and that fit. Absolutely. Okay. So we have, we have, we have covered a huge swath of this encounter design topics tonight. We are just over an hour into this sucker. 
um, I feel like we've done a good a good start. We'll probably need to do another one or two or three or four. Um, but <laughs> yeah. but for now, I think uh, it's a good point to stop. Uh, so thank you all for tuning in. Go check out the Motherload. Go check out Whoop. us out, Bite Size Gaming, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, come play with us at Gen Con. Um, yeah. yeah. We'd love to have you. Um, it's right around the corner. Uh, so for... John, Troy, Catherine, and myself. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Be safe out there. Bye.